Hey everybody, welcome to the Dimeback Podcast. Can you believe it? I'm Tyler, joined tonight by Russ Steinberg. UConn won the 2023 National Championship That's in men's basketball. Thing. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you for reminding everyone. And Megan yeah. Bard. Uh, UConn won the 2023 Men's Basketball NCAA Championship. It's important to remember. And uh, Chris Licata. Hey guys, UConn won the championship like a month ago. It was rad. That was cool. It'll be a month before anyone hears this podcast. And Peter Bard. Uh, UConn also won the, uh, let's go with the 2004 National Championship. <laughs> they you were going to say that. the regular season baseball Big East Conference title. And, uh, and the baseball team actually also made the, uh, the College World Series, which I assume is something that happened because that's when this pod is going to come out. So yeah. Yeah. congratulations yeah. to them. Yeah. Just breaking congratulations the to the national champion UConn <laughs> baseball team. And surprise NBA draft lottery pick, Andre Jackson. <sighs> so, gang, you convened this pod against my best wishes. Why? Because we do one of these every week. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to record. Did you miss last week's episode? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> this is, no one else is willing to edit, so there's just... <laughs> The hilarious thing is like files. the last time we did a podcast, it was like in the midst of everything being amazing. So we sounded like absolute geniuses <laughs> if you listen to it now. I know that did work out yeah. pretty well. Yeah. And Have you I, considered we just might be geniuses? I mean, yes. Every well, day. I, I proceeded to log on to Twitter the day after and tweet that our bench could win the Big East. Uh, which every other team, <laughs> well, our starters couldn't. So, <laughs> which every other Biggie's fan base has not let me forget that I I tweeted that. So, no, they got mad about that. I mean, they our, really our, did. Our bench this year might win the Biggie's next year. Who knows? Could happen. All right. Well, we're actually here to talk about. I think right is all these Big Twelve murmurs, rumorings. Again, this is like we we should really just repost a 2016 episode of this podcast wow. it's upsetting full glory days. here's the thing though like when that happened i wanted to go to the big 12 and now that it's happening again i want them to leave us alone all right give us some context first here who wants to do it russ lakata russ why don't you tee us off and then we'll go around the horn and do some disclosure all right that sounds good so there have been murmurings for the last, I don't know, a couple of weeks now that maybe the Big 12 would be interested in expanding and maybe UConn could be a candidate. In the last few days, I think those talks have grown a little bit louder. Um, I spoke with somebody the other day, I think yesterday, um, who confirmed that Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, was on campus at UConn, met with... Um, the administration there and they had a, a a pretty good talk now they also made it clear that nothing was imminent there was no um invitation extended there's no plan for there to be one in the immediate future this was all the word they used was exploratory uh but if brett you mark is showing up on campus there's got to be some interest there so that's I think why we're here to discuss the good, the bad, and kind of where we all stand on it. I certainly wouldn't be exploring anything I wasn't interested in. Yeah, I mean, he's not up there to get Sergeant Peps before it finally closes down. Right. Well, he's I mean, not maybe. Gonna... maybe. 
He's not going to make a personal trip to UConn if, like, the other Big 12 presidents aren't, like, go forth, young man. Yeah. And I think that Ross Dellinger from SI was the one who really kicked this off with his article uh, earlier in the week. And and Ross, is, a lot of Ross's reporting has since been corroborated by some other national guys like, you know, Pat Forty, uh, Dan Wetzel, uh, all, all of our favorite people who, you know, three years ago did nothing but heap scorn on us for, quote-unquote, abandoning football and now can't wait to tell us that we really should be abandoning football right now. Wait, so, it's pronounced 40? Yes. I thought yeah. it was, I've been calling him Pat Ford for years. Did you ever call him 40, 40 minutes? Or 40 yard dash? Or 40 yard dash, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like listening to him talk. No, his column. His I don't read, I, what oh, do you want? Okay. I don't like him. I don't, okay. I don't consume his, his content. So the other thing that Russ and I wanted to also get out of the way right at the outset is I think it would be helpful for us to sort of go around the horn and, and just sort of like get our initial reactions to like how we feel about a potential move, just so people kind of understand where we're coming from uh, throughout this conversation. And uh, I'm happy to kick things off. Um, I honestly go back and forth every single day. Uh, I honestly, I'm, I'm as undecided as possible right now. Yesterday I was positive that, we would need to have our heads examined if we left the Big East. Uh, and today, you know, I'm not saying I want to go to the Big 12, but today I, I think it's much more palatable. The idea of doing it is much more palatable to me uh, than it was previously. So I don't think I have a definitive stance one way or the other. I'm just at this point trying my best to understand the pros and the cons and, and thanking, thanking everything that's holy every day that is not my decision to make. Megan, why don't you go next? Um, well, I'll say this. I have only become more firm in my opinions since we did the spaces the other night and I spent about two hours talking about it. I'm more convinced than ever that it would not be a good idea to go to the Big 12. Um, and I am becoming more and more firm on that opinion. And there's like a number of reasons, but I kind of come down to this one. Um UConn would be a tremendous outlier geographically, culturally in this conference. And if you look at the, at what's happened in conference realignment over the last decade or so, every team that's left a conference where they were a good fit to go to a conference where they were a less good fit has had a dramatic downgrade in their athletic department. It hasn't worked for anybody yet. Well, except for Rutgers. Worked for Rutgers yeah. basketball. But I don't think I don't think the Big Ten is a worse conference. Yeah, but overall, overall. Well, Rutgers They're worse fit in that conference. Getting the shit kicked out of them. Right. Far worse than well, the well the, the, I would say the only exceptions to be made and, and that you can argue are teams that went G5 to P5. I think TCU has yeah. done very well. I right. think but Utah again, has well. moved to a league where they weren't a cultural fit. Right. They that's moved not, to the Texas league. That's right. fair. That's my point is every team that has left somewhere where they were playing people with, they had a history with, where there was a cultural fit and move to somewhere else for the money, it's gone badly for all of them. And I feel like we need to, we've been, we've been ragging on cues for this exact decision-making process for the last several years. Now, are we going to make the same dumb decision for the same dumb reasons? And it's well, like, we're a less good fit in the big 12 than they are in the ACC. Syracuse, 
didn't get worse at basketball because they went to the ACC. It's but, just, I mean, their athletic department doesn't care anymore. They have a thousand-year-old coach who got bad, and they couldn't fire. I mean, and for what it's worth, Pitt football does look like they're they're starting to figure it out a little bit. Yeah, Pitt's Pitt overall has had a very nice year athletically. Their basketball team bounced back big time. Their football team's looking pretty serious. Louisville is in the toilet. Boston College is a, that's the one that really got fucked. But like, I don't understand what's going on there. Like, no one seems to get yeah. There needs to be an investigation as to where that money is going to BC because I mean, I tweeted about this yesterday or two days ago. If you if you Google BC football, it shows you results for BBC football. It's not even on the first page. I mean, like they're not, they haven't even spent the time on SEO, like not let alone like investing in their athletic department at all. It's crazy. I mean, I don't think BC would be good in the Big East either. That's just a cultural disaster all around. I will say too, I think we, like we can, I'm sure we will get to a decision or get to a conversation about the ACC in this, which both. Pitt and Cuse obviously fall into. It is a different story talking about being the lone East Coast team in a Midwest slash maybe Western conference. And I honestly don't even care about necessarily travel concerns and all that, although I get somebody somewhere probably does. But it's just the instability of college sports generally does not lend itself well to being, as Megan, you just said, because we share one brain, Correct. the the outlier in a conference, especially when UConn has a, a very, very, very recent history of being among the worst football teams in America, which is part of the reason we got left out of all of this in the first place. If we go into a conference where we regress and are again one of the worst football teams in the Power Five, and wheels start turning again and teams start moving again and the Big Ten and the ACC start moving and adding teams, are, I think we might be less attractive. To say nothing of the fact that I am buzzing still a month later from just winning the national championship after a fucking awesome season in the Big East. And I think we had a very enjoyable football season playing a bunch of random East Coast schools and random teams we've heard of and the one Nazis, you know, team. But like that, the whole of the last year has been so much more satisfying than anything that has happened since 2014. And honestly, probably including 2014, probably since like 2000, what, nine-ish? Nine. Yeah. Yeah. At least. And I am extremely nervous about sacrificing all of that for a play at, I mean, essentially you're, you're making a play for money, which I get, but I also frankly don't care about at this point for winning championships. I'll pay $40 million of my taxes for it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Charge student. Take my money. Take 50 million. Charge the 50 million. Go win championships. I'm cool. $3.3 billion annual budget. And we're equivalent about $20 million. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Make it 50. Right for a million dollar deficit, win a championship. I don't care. I don't care. Well, we should we should actually level set on that because the money conversation always call, comes up. And it's Megan, also like a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. That's what I was getting at. Like, wait, yeah. do we get to say whether we're for it or not, Peter and I? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah go ahead. We, we yeah, cut you off. You. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm against it. Not as much, I think, as Megan and Tyler are, but I think overall, um, 
going is a risk. Staying is a risk. But at least if you stay, the Big East is a stable conference. And other than us, no one's going anywhere. And so if the worst case scenario in the Big East is still the status quo, uh, I think as uh, all of our national championship gear that we are wearing, except for Lakata, would tell you, that's pretty good. Peter. I I don't think there's a clear-cut answer to this question. I think... Oh, there definitely is not. I mean, I, 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 I have my the, opinion, but I don't think there's a the, clear-cut mm-hmm. answer. The problem is it's hard to know what's what the move is because we don't know what's going to happen. And there are, you know, legitimate concerns that not being a part of the power conference setup is going to limit your ability to compete broadly in athletics at the top level. The Big 12 does. They just got a nice new contract. There's nobody really there. I think, uh, you know, the Big 10 or SEC is, is going to poach. It's probably a pretty stable conference for at least the next decade until the next insane thing happens. But if nothing, like, if nothing goes wrong, if nothing gets worse about being in the Big East, if we don't have to start dealing with this deficit situation, yeah, I'd rather just stay there because we're not going to, like, what actually is going to get better if we go to the Big 12? The, the quality of the teams we play in the revenue sports will increase, but does that mean I will like those schedules better? Probably not. So I don't know, but I, I also I would like th- I would like to have that sort of feeling of security of being in a Power Five conference and knowing like we're not going to get left out of the broader picture as long as we're in that group. Does it concern you at all the scenario where you go to the Big Twelve so you don't get left out of that broader P five group? And then the Big Ten and the SEC just absorb the best teams again out of the ACC and the Big 12, and you're just left in the third or fourth best conference instead of the... I'm not concerned about the the Big Ten or the SEC taking more Big 12 teams. There's nobody there they want to take. There are plenty of ACC and PAC schools that those leagues are going to find much more attractive. If they're going to expand, it's going to be by dissolving those two leagues. And then the, what the leftovers are going to glom on to the Big 12. That's what that well, league is going to be. But now that gets interesting is if the ACC does end up crumbling, then you've got some of these Northeast schools that need somewhere to land. And maybe that's a better situation where you know you bring some schools into the Big East for basketball and you create some sort of like separate entity for some because I don't if think you, you can expect, though. What if they what if they go to the Big Twelve? Maybe they do. And but if things are moving, then like who's to say UConn doesn't get a you know as part of a package with Syracuse and Pitt make a lot more sense then? Because are, are they going to maybe are they going to want to take that. No. But the, the the problem is is you're 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 saying well maybe you can still get in later, but maybe you can't. Right. And if those schools end up in the Big 12 and UConn's and you not can, there, you're still in the Big East. So for what it's worth, I get the impression that as long as Brett Yormark is the commissioner of the Big 12, uh, that conference will be interested in UConn because it is very interested in the New York market. Yes. 
I guess and, the question though is if the ACC implodes and all of a sudden Syracuse is on the table, what does that mean? Uh, no, he said New York market. Oh, well, <laughs> but well, like New York City, not Albany. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: it, I I spoke this person in Big Twelve. I spoke with for a long time because I'm working on, as I told you guys, uh, the Chat GPT realigns college sports story that'll come out uh, long before anyone else hears this podcast. Um, but I asked him, you know, what what are the things that your conference would be looking for? Uh, if you were to expand. And yes, new markets is a big one. Your Mark loves New York, therefore he loves UConn. He also said it's very important that they take the markets that they have already and strengthen their ties there. So just taking Syracuse uh, for the New York market might not be enough in the Big 12's mind for at least as long as this current administration is there, which again, might not be the case in 10 years. I would also say that if we join the Big 12 and the ACC implodes and all those, the non-magnificent seven schools are all of a sudden now looking for a home, us being in the Big 12 doesn't preclude us then from leaving the Big 12 and reassociating ourselves with them. So are we sure about that? It Just- might. Just because okay. is there going to be a grant of rights agreement in this next iteration of the Big 12? I, is it going to yeah. cost a fuckload of money for a team to get out? Like I, I mean, I'm I mean, sure they, they, they want to attack They're probably going to be taking less revenue. Their TV deal goes through, what, 31, 2031? And there is a grant of rights now. Who are you talking about? The ACC's grant of rights is the 12. No, no, no. So I'm talking about the 12. Oh. Oh, so we would probably have to sign a grant of rights if we had joined the big Yeah. Show. Okay. Right. We right. don't have one right now. Right. I wonder if the Big 12 would consider taking UConn without signing a grant of rights. I can't imagine I wonder if why they, they want, want it that, that bad. Why? Listen, if they want our football team, they can have the football team. <laughs> well, look, in all seriousness, I, I, well, let's, let's talk about football for a second, if, if you guys don't mind. Can we talk about football? Sure. I'm gonna get a drink. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, Tyler. I'll catch you in a half hour. Um, all right. Uh, look, I know that there's a large portion of this fan base that says fuck football, and they don't care, um, and they're not interested in it, and they 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 blame it probably justifiably for a lot of uh, the the problems of the last you know decade plus. Uh, look, I like football. I, I I like the fact that we have a football team. I'm not willing to mortgage the future of our entire of our basketball program on football, but I do think that you know any kind of decisions on future home for UConn athletics, I mean, UConn football should be a part of the calculus just as, you know, women's basketball or, or just as, you know, baseball or any other kind of sport we have. We're one athletic department, you know, basketball drives the bus, but we, we should, we shouldn't make decisions completely in a vacuum around everything else. But that being said, I, I think that there's this, and Tyler, you hit on this earlier that, you know, there's this perception that, look, we bottomed out in the ACE, in the American in football. And, to be clear, part of that was we were massive geographic outliers. We were cultural outliers, and that that certainly played a role. But more importantly, what played a role in us bottoming out in the, bottoming out in the American is that unlike all those other schools that joined the American, we took a step down. We went from a power conference to a G5 league. Houston went from a G5 league to a better G5 league, right? You know, uh, who else? UCF. 
same thing. You know, these guys got better, got in a better station in life by joining the American. We got screwed and we lost our identity by taking that, taking football to the American. And for what it's worth, I was actually, I've been on the record since 2012 saying that we should never have joined the American to begin with. We should have went independent and joined the Big East when the old Big East imploded. But that's neither here nor there. When I, 20 freaking almost years ago now, when I wrote for the, when I wrote for the Daily Campus, when I was a sports editor, you know, I talked to Randy Edsel back before he gave up on coaching and, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, he, he told me, he said that being part of the power, Big East, being part of a power conference was so invaluable to recruiting that he could tell anybody he recruited that if you come to UConn, you will have a chance to play in a BCS bowl game and play meaningful football. And that helped him seal a higher level of recruits than he was ever able to do beforehand. So if you take UConn football, and you take them from a FBS independent and you drop them into a P5 league. I'm not saying that you know, Jim Moore is some sort of magician that's all of a sudden going to make us a 10, 11, 12 win team and compete for conference titles, but he is going to recruit better. And he's already proven that he's a pretty darn good coach. And so I don't, I kind of reject the idea that UConn in the Big 12 in football is preordained to be crap, to be a two or three win team for eternity. I think that we could be, we could live, we could find ourselves in a position where we are competing for bowls uh, year in and year out there. I don't think that's unreasonable because I think we have a good coach. I think we, and I think that we're going to get an influx of talent uh, by joining this league. So that's my sort of pitch on, on, on the big 12 impact and the big 12 move for football. Take that I guess forward. I just don't see how, being in the Big 12 is that much more appealing to a recruit. Like the schedule that they're putting together now is still an interesting schedule. Sure, and, that's good. It's a Big 12 schedule. But yeah. it's much easier to make a bowl game with the schedule they're putting together now. Like I think, especially over the next few years, the likelihood is that it's a, a handful of wins at most. Like, I mean, you're, you're going to have a lot fewer games to play with. And you know, if you're playing what, like a nine game conference schedule, it's going to be really hard to get to six wins. And I, I think you're going to be looking at a lot fewer bowl seasons. Like, I just, I'm not sure the sell of you kind of the Big 12 is that great to any well, recruit. Well, I think that the, the proof is is out there. If you look at any program that went from G5 to a P5, the recruiting has followed. I mean, the recruiting improves. Yeah, but the recruiting's not going to improve enough for us to be competing legitimately in the Big 12. I don't know. I just I, don't I, see I, it. I, I, I just don't, like, don't see it. Because, like, okay, even though you're right that, like, okay, it does elevate UConn to a place of essentially monetary equals with the other Big 12 schools, aren't they at a structural disadvantage still to every single one of those schools in yes. every other way well, that is going to matter? Because in the conference? we're the only Northeast team, and they're all based in Texas and Florida. Like, how and are we're we still not pulling the best Northeast kids away from the other big Northeast football schools? I don't oh, think. Well, I think that might change. Yeah, I think that 12. might change. Yeah, if I, UConn's I, in the Big Twelve, they're gonna they're gonna recruit much better in the Northeast. Yeah. Absolutely, gonna pull but that's not going to be enough. Penn State and Notre Dame. I mean, probably not Notre Dame, but you know, we could. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to compete with Penn State and Notre Dame. Yeah, but, but even they if they were to go to the Big Ten, yeah, but they I could guess, certainly like, steal this, a three-star or a four-star that's looking at. They, you know, yeah, they could, be, they could be recruiting days. as well as Maryland and Rutgers. Yeah, 
And, and look, yeah, here's Syracuse and Boston College. In terms of the infrastructure, yes. Look, we don't have the recruiting. <laughs> we don't have the recruiting footprint that the rest of the Big Twelve has. That's not up for debate. That's absolutely not a thing. We have great facilities. We really do have great facilities. We have power conference facilities, and that's not me saying that. That's other people that have objectively said that we have great facilities on campus. The other thing, not for nothing, that that that's is probably going to help us out here and there. Being the only New England school in a school a conference full of warm weather uh, programs, yeah, they got to come up here and play in late October, November, and December too. You know, we'll steal a couple of games based on you know snow and Rensselaer at the end of November, and having freaking UCF or we're having Houston or or Texas Tech have to come up uh, and play an away game. So, you know, I, I I think that there I think that we we have disadvantages. There's no question about it. But we also have a lot more going for us. Um, this the, the football program is a lot more going for it than I think we give ourselves credit for. With competent coaching, a P five budget, I I, I just I, I don't think we're we're destined to be. What do you think? Like, what is it that you you think the ceiling is? I mean, ceiling and our ceiling in the Big Twelve, I think, is what our ceiling in the Big East was. Probably eight or nine wins a year. And what do you think the likelihood of us hitting that with any sort of consistency is? Well, how often did we hit it with consistency in the Big East? Like maybe like what? Like two or three times? Once. We won no. eight games. Eight you know, we never won nine games. Yeah, we did. We won nine games in uh, the year we lost to uh, Wake Forest in the, the Car Care Bowl. And we got smoked by West Virginia uh, at the end of the season. Oh, the West Virginia just scored again game? Yeah. We, yeah. we ended that season nine and two in a regular season and we lost the bowl game. This is the future we're so, aspiring to. Here's, it, but but that's is, why I say that this shouldn't be the reason why we make a move. But right. I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's it's a complete freaking albatross or a joke that we're that we're talking about it. I honestly I don't disagree w- with what you're saying. I I think the the program does have more going for it than maybe most people would like you to believe. But coming at it from the perspective of a UConn fan. This football program is never going to win a national championship. No. They're never going to be in that top even 10 programs in the country. So if we're not competing for a national championship, then to me, the fan, what's the fucking difference? Why don't we just keep our independent schedule, schedule ourselves into a bowl game every year, give me an extra game to watch it in, in December? Because the ceiling, we're not going to hit that that pinnacle of the sport by switching leagues. So if we're not going to do that, let's just have fun with it. Well, I agree with that sentiment, but you got to also understand too, like there's no guarantee we're going to be able to keep this creative scheduling going. I mean, it's awesome that we get Syracuse and BC on the schedule right now, but if you go to fbschedules.com, you know, take a look at, you know, how things start shaking out in, you know, 2026, 27, 28, you know, it's, you know, you might find your yourself in a position where, you know, it's it's less uh, it's less BC games, less Syracuse games, and more you know uh, like Toledo and you know uh, Florida International. Twenty twenty six, they currently have home games against Maryland and Indiana on the schedule. Road games at North Carolina and Syracuse. Twenty seven, we've got home games against North Carolina and Syracuse. Twenty twenty eight, there's only a handful of games scheduled, but one is a home game against Wake Forest. So that's not bad. That's good enough for me. And, and and I thought about this a little bit today more in regards to basketball 
But if you think back to 2013, and we were worried about being stuck. Oh, I missed uh, Ole Miss also at home in 2027. Okay. So, so you're thinking about being stuck in the American, and maybe if we wait it out here, eventually that call will come. Well, now here we are 10 years later, and the Big East as a basketball conference is doing better than I think any of us could have thought. Anybody, and then anyone could have predicted yeah. when they, they went off on their own. And so if you want to argue that down the road this gets a lot harder, maybe you're right. Uh, but seven, eight, nine, ten years, that's a pretty good chunk of time. And I'm willing to just enjoy that. I mean, I'm not going to live a, a thousand years here. Give me six good years and we'll worry about the rest after. I just, for me, I, I think we're all kind of underestimating the interest level of the teams in the Big 12 because we don't have a history with these teams. Like UConn fans don't know these teams. They don't care about these teams. Like even if they're good, even if they're, you know, top 10 teams, like, yeah, in basketball, they might care. I don't think they're going to care in football. Like, I really don't think they're going to care in football. I, I was, yeah. I was there when we were playing an undefeated Houston with like a bowl. It, nobody was there. Like nobody was there. there. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. So I just I think you're kind of giving too much credit, in all honesty, to the to the casuals. Um, those the names are not schools that are going to get people in the building. Like I've said, we've said this a thousand times. Like a mediocre Syracuse is more appealing than a a ranked Texas Tech or Kansas State. And, like, and that's what I meant by by what I was saying before. Like let's just have fun with it. If we're not trying to schedule ourselves to a national championship, let's play Syracuse and BC. And with all of this excitement around the Big East, like the school's been able to charge pretty significant donation seat donation fees. Like men's basketball revenue was over twenty four million dollars this year. The idea that the Big East isn't bringing in enough money, like we are, we are one of the top ten revenue programs in in men's basketball. Like we're bringing in plenty of money. There's plenty of money to pay Dan Hurley. There will always be plenty of money to pay Dan Hurley. Dan Hurley is one of the best paid coaches in college basketball. And I oh, that argument was absurd. I expect that we're about to get another. He's going to get a contract extension where he is even better paid amongst college basketball coaches like men's basketball alone brings in enough money that it will always pay its own bills like we never yeah, have to worry about that and they're currently already talking in the beast about uh renovating gamble you know like yep. they're mm -hmm. are we just supposed all new facilities like what do we need this money for we have a brand new softball field a brand new baseball field a brand new soccer field a brand new olympics performance center a brand new football locker room like what the fuck do we need this money for what do we need it for and, and and that's the thing, because if you're thinking 15 years down the road, could UConn fall behind in, in this arms race? Yes. But so much happens over the course of 15 years, as we've seen, that who the fuck knows what the landscape is even going to look like then and what's going to be valued or what isn't going to be valued or even what conference UConn will be playing in. I, I don't think you make this decision for 15 years down the road, considering where they are now. It's a lot let, when you actually break it down, it's a lot less money than you think it is yes. after yes. because there's significant cost increases. Like it's not just increased revenue. It's also increased cost. So like, let's talk about that for a second. Like immediately you're going to have to be adding millions of dollars to football coaching staff. If we are, if we are competing in the big 10, you're going to have to significantly uh, expand how much we're spending on football by a lot. We're also multiplying how much money we're spending on travel. Now, instead of having multiple bus trips, every single one is a long plane trip for every single sport. 
And we're also, I mean, in, in addition to the fact that we're going to have to find homes for women's lacrosse, for men's soccer, like there's a bunch of sports that the Big 12 doesn't even sponsor, but that's a whole other thing. On top of that, because the Big 12, uh, some of their games are streamed on ESPN+, Plus, they have to pay for the production for those games, which is another thing we're going to have to pay for. We don't pay for anything right now. So like there's a whole bunch of money that's going to have to go out the door. And we don't know what the next Big East deal is going to be. None of us do. But if we're saying it's a $20 million difference, all of a sudden that number is a lot smaller. And the question is, can you charge those same seat donations? Can you expect to get the same number of season ticket holders that you're getting now in the Big East? Because that's where that's why people are buying tickets. That's why people are showing up for your games. That's why you're able to charge these super high seat donation prices. Like they told us that's what this was about, and we've been paying it, and that's fine. But like, I don't know that you're going to get people to pay it in the Big 12. I don't know that you are. And, and on right. top of that, Megan, uh, Big East or Big 12, they're still going to have to renovate Ample. Yep. There's if they're in the Big 12, there's probably going to have to put a lot of money into Wrenchler Field and expanding that. Definitely. Uh because that's not a big enough stadium to host a Big 12 no, football. No, it, I, you think it is? The, go look at the capacities. There's 40 and change now. Yeah, they're putting us at 40,000 puts us this isn't the Big 10 where you've got like 100,000 seat uh stadiums. Uh, the rest of this Big 12 conference, you're looking at, you know, 40, 50 some 60, some 70, but like the, the stadium in Houston that they built recently, uh, I think is what at most like 42, 45. So, I mean, that's still more than what oh, we are. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a rounding error. Put, you, you can put the oh. temporary bleachers back where we, where we did for Michigan. If you want to match that, but I like, mean, there is room to add and, and in fairness, Rensselaer field already needs like a significant, it needs a lot of money right now. Anyway, that's the thing. I wasn't just talking about expanding capacity. I mean, sure. re, you know, the, the locker room, entire place. Yeah, like yeah. it needs yeah. it needs some money. Here's what I'll say about the money. Also, like move to stores. Yes. Well, well yes. yes. That, but we're not going to afford that from a Big Twelve media deal. But that so yes. Cincinnati and Houston both have forty thousand seat stadiums. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I stand corrected. And when Tyler edits this, he could take it out. <laughs> UCF, TCU, and Baylor are all about forty-five or, or lower. No, it's no mercy. Kansas State are both <laughs> just about fifty. So, the money conversation I think is is interesting because Megan, everything you said is absolutely correct. I mean, it's not we're not getting it's not it's not like Brett Yormark's going to show up in stores with a giant rubber check for like thirty-five thousand dollars yeah. or thirty-five million dollars, excuse me. Um, but like, the money does is going to be helpful. I mean. We're going to still do gamble renovations regardless of what league we're in, but maybe we can get something. We could do a little more with a little more TV money coming in. Also, we don't know what's going to eventually happen with NIL, whether Congress gets off their ass or whether Charlie Baker decides to actually do something. At some point, we are going to get guidelines on what NIL looks like. And I think that whenever that happens, we would much rather have a deeper checkbook than not. And so being able to get big page paydays from the Big 12 conference, I, I, I think it's really... I don't really see well, how that's that probably right? have Mark TikTok. Right. Like, <laughs> it's not like the, the team can... Like, you well, can't that's money not, from the conference and pay... Not like, now. Pay the player. I mean, I don't think that's anywhere close to on the horizon right now. Is, I, I mean, paying the players is like a whole... Like, NIL and paying the players are like two different things. And I think the NIL... The fact that NIL exists has pushed off the pay the players conversation 
well, they kicked that can well down the road. And it's not like you can take TV money and like hand it to the kids. Could the university start at a collective? UConn did, right? Or did they we can, but to- the money has to come from the out- outside of the university. Like the collective is just to like you put all the kids together and say, here's here are people who you can use. Like here, here are here's a place you can go as an outside source to funnel NIL money. But like it's the money's not coming from the school, it's uh-huh. coming from outside the school. On that note, UConn really, as soon as humanly possible, needs to hire a general manager or NIL person for their men's basketball, women's basketball, and football teams. But I agree. That, teams are starting to do that, and that needs to happen now. Yeah. Well, look, I stand corrected then on NIL, but I do think that there is going to be continued movement towards supporting players, and I do think that it's going to be more helpful than not to have a deep che- deep checkbook in trying to take care of your student athletes more in whatever that ends up looking like. That's all I'll say. No, and I and I, I don't I would, like I said. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. I was I would make the argument though. This is another situation where again, if we're just talking about football, because I don't think to Megan's point earlier, if all we're talking about men's basketball and we're talking about NIL and we're talking about money and we're talking about any of this, UConn will always be able to compete, if not blow away most of their competition in the Big East. So what we're really talking about is football. And when we talk about NIL or any money or any notoriety, I think UConn, again, going into the Big 12 as a football program, would start at an incredible deficit. Mm-hmm. So all of these things also apply, again, to every other member of the conference. And this is kind of what happened in the AAC. And I realize I am like... I, I'm totally traumatized by the AAC experience, and I'm trying to like yeah, not let it play yeah. too much in my opinion. But like, you know, it's kind of what happened when there was there, there was just tears of who benefited relative to what, and UConn was always even the scraps that helped UConn always helped other teams in the conference more, and that like constantly sabotaged UConn. It was the reason they could not sign the new TV deal because it would have leveled Tulsa and Tulane up to them, and they never would have gotten any benefit out of it. And I s- still feel like it's kind of the same thing in the Big 12. Even the areas where UConn will benefit, I don't see how they benefit in any way that helps them catch up to the other teams in the Big 12 that are all established, regionally central, more or less, and already ahead of them. And again, I keep going back to this, but like, UConn basketball in the Big East is the best branding that UConn has available to it. And when you're talking about, you know, bringing in private donations, because you look at all that stuff we just built, a huge percentage of that money came from private donations. Mm -hmm. When we built Gamble, it was on private donations. Like the way you get people to give you money is get them excited about the programs. And we've been able to, when we needed to raise money to raise the money. And like, Again, we've talked about how, you know, the state uses UConn as a pass-through to the deficit's not even really real in and of itself, that a lot of it's, you know, nonsense. And the reality is, like, the the state government, the people who run the government of Connecticut love UConn sports. They love UConn basketball. They love going to games in Hartford. They love being seen going to the games in Hartford. And, like, I, I don't think I can oversell how much they will never, ever, ever, ever let anything happen to UConn basketball because there's not enough money. Like when we go to hire the next coach for women's basketball, they will have enough money to hire whoever the fuck they want. 
Come on down, Don. <laughs> Please, no. I also want to talk about the other thing that, that hangs me up about leaving the Big East is just completely forfeiting a, a massive recruiting edge in the Northeast. Yeah. I mean, like, we, you look at, like, you know, when we came back to the Big East, that first Big East media day we did, when Willard was still at Seton Hall, Kevin Willard flat, flat out said, I use the American to recruit against UConn constantly. I told people, like, if you go to UConn, your family and friends are not going to be able to see you play. You're going to be playing your conference games in Oklahoma and Texas. And it worked. And, you know, it's not a coincidence that Providence had its best recruiting stretch ever while we were in the American. And now they're getting their teeth kicked in on uh, on the uh, recruiting trail by us and, and, and others. I mean, you know, they're not... Right. <laughs> exactly. I also don't uh, think it's a coincidence that the core of this team that just won a national championship mm-hmm. was recruited when we were able to sell them on going back to the Big East. Uh-huh. Andre Jackson, Albany, New York. We took yep. him, we took him out from under Syracuse. You know, Adama Sanogo from And he uh, specifically cited yeah. the Big East. Yes. Like as part of the reason he came there. We don't win this national championship without Andre Jackson and without the Big East. Like I'm gonna say it right now. Sanogo, we took him from Seton Hall. Yep. Jordan Hawkins, Maryland, Maryland, I, you know, granted, Mid-Atlantic, not technically Northeast, close enough. I mean, like, I don't think we're landing all three of those guys if we're not playing in the Big East. I, I just don't think we are. And to ask, and this is, this is why I'm struggling so much with this decision, is because, you know, yes, the Big 12 right now is the best conference in America for basketball. And to Brett Yormark's Benz. credit, Men's, excuse me, yes. And to Brett Yormark's credit, he seems committed to keeping it that way because he's coming after us, and it's not, I, there's ample evidence that Gonzaga is probably going to end up in the Big 12 at some point, and his first choices for actual po- for actual expansion are the Arizona schools. So you could be looking at potentially joining a league with Kansas, Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Houston. I mean, this is a good league that we could potentially be joining. So the competition level would be fantastic. But how do we stack up against those teams when we're only recruiting nationally and when we've lost the ability to let to, to own the talent-rich area of the country that we're in and all of a sudden the Big East now is, is kicking our butt on the recruiting trail I don't buy that at all. The Big East does not kick our butt on the recruiting trail from the Big Big 12 schools recruit the Northeast. Kansas beat us for El Marco Jackson out of South Kent. UConn would still recruit the Northeast in the Big 12 as much as they wanted to. They'd recruit everywhere they want to because that's the kind of schools you're talking about there. That's how those schools recruit. Arizona, Kansas, Gonzaga, those schools recruit nationally. We would do the same thing but we would still also recruit our local guys better than anybody else. We're not going to suddenly start losing recruiting battles to Providence because we're only playing Kansas, Arizona, and Gonzaga. Well, I mean, at the moment, only one of those schools is like actually in them, but still you, you look at that list and do we like fit in with that group? Cause to me, I'm like, again, well, yeah, I mean, go together, like but like, we don't pedigree. go with them. Well, in terms of the basketball pedigree, we certainly do. I mean, I mean like, oh, Kansas like, is the exception. We can't be thinking about Kansas when we talk about this because obviously those right. games are going to be great and those will sell out, no question. But it's everybody else, right? It's everybody else, and it just—I I just look at that lineup and I'm like, aside from the fact that you couldn't pay me money to want to be in the same room as Baylor, like 
nightmare fuel of a of a university. But like Texas Tech and Kansas State and like all these other schools where I'm like, we just don't we don't have any like we have nothing to do with these people. They're just they're so irrelevant. Like, we are so irrelevant to each other. And I really think I might feel different if Texas and Oklahoma weren't leaving. Yeah. Because right? Texas yeah. seems like the kind of school that would be like the perfect UConn rival in the Big 12. In men's and women's basketball, honestly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's and like, like we, we haven't really talked about this yet. And Russ and I have kind of talked about this. While like, yes, I think right now the Big 12 is a step up from the Big East and women's basketball. I don't think it's that big a step up. And I think the way that the Big East women's teams have been improving so quickly and so steadily, like every, I mean, they got, they had five teams in the tournament this year. Like every year, more teams are good teams. And you just watch the big East can the three worst coaches, all, all three of them got canned. Like they're, they are invested in women's basketball. They are hiring good coaches. They're trying to put like, they're still playing in tiny little baby gyms, but they're, they're trying to like put real programs together. And, and like, you've seen like Villanova fans, for example, have really bought into their women's team very quickly, which is very cool to see. And I think other fan bases, Creighton needs to get their shit together, but, um, you know, other other fan bases are, like, ready to go. Seton Hall needs to stop letting forcing their women to play in the CYO gymnasium. Ugh. Not for nothing, though, but, like, this is also a helpful reminder. Again, I'm going to bring everything back to the American. But, like, that TV deal fell apart because they did not want to treat UConn women's basketball like an important brand. And the Big East does. The Big East has... has, I think the Big East is improving in all the ways you just said, Megan, because of UConn basketball being in that conference with them. Well, I don't don't think a a desire or a lack of investment is going to be a problem in the Big 12. No, but I do think being a big fish is... You know, like having that special treatment, being that marquee product is good. And maybe the Big 12 realizes that and that's part of the reason they want us. You know, maybe that's maybe it's not a concern there. I'll say this. I haven't heard them say a single word about our women's basketball team in all of this. I haven't heard a word. Nobody said anything about them. I, I, I do think it matters. I do think it matters to the Big 12. Just my just. From conversations, from when I talked to Brett Yormark himself uh, back in September, it does seem like they really do want to invest in women's basketball and keep improving the product there. But again, I mean, part of this you have to believe in. Do they, are they going to invest, like, are they going to treat our women's basketball team like the elite brand that they are? And I think, again, in a football conference, that's, they're not going to get the sort of special VIP treatment that they do get in the big East already. And I, and I've mentioned this before, like I, I feel like going back in for the new big East TV deal, especially if they get more money from Fox, for example, that we should revisit who gets the SNY money. Like maybe we go have you know, like it seems to me that at this point, like UConn needs to put their foot down and be like, this money is coming into the East because of us and only us. And we need to be getting a bigger piece of that pie. Also, UConn's going to hire their next women's basketball coach in the next what five years. Like it's it's important that we still be, you know, that the fundamentals remain in place when they make that hire. Yeah, I'll say generally too. Like when we were talking about fundamentals in that case, though. Like, what do you mean? What are we talking about? The unquestioned marquee brand of the sport. 
Like I don't, don't want to jeopardize. I, I don't want to jeopardize anything. Oh boy. I don't, I don't think that they are at this moment the unquestioned marquee brand of the sport. They absolutely are. If you look I, at yeah, not that they're the best team or the most likely to win every year, but they're the, the marketing. Yeah, they are. They're the Yankees. It's not even close. Yankees don't win anything, but they're the marquee brand of baseball. Oh God! I hope we don't end up with the Yankees. Don't I will I will not. I will say though, like I remember, you know, like in two thousand, was it sixteen? Like when we were having all these conversations about the Big Twelve, and I'm like again, traumatized of like making spreadsheets about market share and attendance rankings and everything. But like, that was a stability play. You know, it was like looking at the American and saying, we cannot survive this. Our basketball program will not live through this. Even if football treads water, we were giving up so much so rapidly that we needed a lifeboat just to, to spread water, to keep everything afloat. And honestly, the the TV deal that they came up with being so pathetic was the was the impetus to go seek that somewhere else. And I guess I feel stable now. So I don't feel obligated to chase things the way that we were chasing it back then when we were sinking so rapidly. And I guess I'm like absolutely maybe we should transition to a conversation about the ACC. Because I am absolutely comfortable with doing everything that Russ said with football, just trying to schedule an interesting regional schedule with a few marquee brands and trying to finagle your way into a bowl game every year. I'm absolutely comfortable playing in conference tournaments in Madison Square Garden and on Fox Sports 1 and doing everything that comes with the Big East right now at a monetary discount compared to other brands of our basketball level. I am totally comfortable... <laughs> with all of the other Olympic sports that seem to be thriving in the Big East uh, or Hockey East, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Nothing about the current situation scares me enough to go hunting for that lifeboat now the way it did five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, I'm with you. And like, I hate to beat, like, you know, beat a dead horse here. Because obviously, I don't think the Big 12 is the AAC. Obviously, I don't think that. The Big 12 is a much better conference in a number of arenas. But there are so many similarities in that, like, you know, geographically broad, southern slash midwestern football first conference in which we are geographic and cultural outliers. Like, yeah, the money was part of the problem and there were some other issues, but like, part of the problem we had in the AAC was because of those factors. And I think we shouldn't discount that when we're looking at the Big 12. I think my fear, and I know most of you disagree with me on this, and I know Peter does for sure, uh, but I'll just say it anyway. I do think that if the last 20 years of college athletics has taught us anything, is that if there is an extra dollar to be made by the leaders in this sport to fucking sabotage the, the, the sabotage the, the status quo, I think it will happen. And I do think, I don't think it's anything that's necessarily imminent, but if ESPN gets pissed off because they still can't get the rights to the NCAA tournament and then turns to the P5 and says, if you guys form your own NCAA subdivision, we will make it financially worth your while to do so. 
I do not think that the leaders of those conferences will think twice about doing it. ESPN will never do that. They also don't have enough money to do that. Because they, why would they want to do that? That's less content. They, right, that's they Michael's thing. More. That's, this is the opposite of what ESPN would want. And it would dramatically or CBS or the value of that product, which is probably... Is, is March Madness more valuable, you think, just monetarily than the college football playoff? I yes. genuinely have no well, idea. The NCAA probably. does not make money from the college football playoff. That is a different yes. fund that they get from. So, But March Madness is the most valuable product that the NCAA has by a long shot. Yeah, they are not jeopardizing that just to get like Richmond and VCU out. Like and that is part is, of what makes it valuable. CBS right. wants to expand it. They want more games, not less. And, you know, the, the value in that tournament, like those first four days are the days that are, have the crazy viewing numbers. Cause people, I mean, obviously like if you get a final four with like a bunch of big name teams and I, and I, and I hesitate to even talk about this year's final four numbers because it was like three small market programs and one big name program is beating the shit out of everybody. So like, shout out Miami. It, yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, that it just wasn't, it wasn't a great recipe. But even if you look at those numbers and compare them to like other sporting events, they still dwarf other sporting events starting at nine 30 on a Monday night. Yeah. The national title, I think national title game, I think outdrew the, uh, uh, and the final NBA uh, finals game last year by about like what? 1.5 million people. A huge a number of people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, people say, Oh, you know, it was a small number. Sure. But like, it was still a huge number. And, you know, I just think the value in that tournament is in having um, as many games as possible because people just want to drown themselves in it. Or, so, uh, you know. so maybe this particular scenario is not that I talked about is not going to come. I do think it is more likely that co- like football sp- spins off, which probably should happen. Like they probably should. Also, just I be think doing that's like thing. a legitimate that, like that's a legitimate concern and a legitimate a tick in the column of pro Big Twelve. I think. Yeah. The, if you care about. Football, right, and also just the the gap between the the P five and everybody else is just it's expanding and expanding every year, and I think that you know you want to be in that club more than you don't want to be in that club. As much as you know, I I, I love being in the Big East. You want to be in that club now. Does does that mean you take the first you know invite that you get? Maybe not, and maybe this is we get back to the whole ACC situation where. You know, maybe we wait for you know Florida State and Clemson to get tired of you know cashing checks of Boston College and go from there. But that's why one of the reasons why I think that saying that stay in the Big East because the Big East is stable, it's not necessarily the slam dunk statement that we think it is. Uh, because the Big East may be stable, but the Big East may also be losing ground on the rest of you know college sports. Uh, moving forward in, in terms of the business side of things. I mean, I think the Big East is stable for basketball. It's just, I mean, if it leaves football, obviously in a much more precarious position. But if you look at like, I mean, it was paying attention. I think just released a list. It was like us, Villanova and Marquette were all among the, yeah. the highest revenue programs in basketball. And like, whenever you talk about the P5 money, I think there's this, you know, idea that it gets spread around a lot but the reality is all of those schools are running a deficit and most of that p5 money gets funneled back into the football program so when you're talking about basketball programs competing against each other they're they're on roughly i mean it's not like 
the basketball team is getting a different share of that P5 money than what the Big East take home is. Like most of that P5 money goes to football. And they're all in their like wild arms race that we're never like, we're never going to be on that. And we shouldn't be because that's not a wise investment for us. We're not building water parks. No, we're not doing that. I will say though, like, so this is my other sort of caveat for the big 12 argument, which is that we really don't know. I think Benedict is doing an incredible job and I will build a statue of him, um, especially cobbling together these football schedules. But like, is that sustainable? That feels like a ton of fucking work. He's doing a really, really amazing job at it, I think, all things considered. But, like, who else do you, you know, you're going to have to keep going back to the well of these same schools over and over again. Also, if we keep beating BC, they ain't going to schedule us again. I guess, well, maybe like, they my, should get better. My, my very biased basketball-only take on it is... In the scenario where the P5 breaks off, we're basically just scheduling these schools anyways in some capacity and we'll play for whatever there is to play for in that scenario. You know, I feel like we're kind of, we kind of belong in in that group. Like we belong with these other schools. We don't belong in the conversation with the best football schools in the country. (laughs) But I am sensitive to the fact of like, if keeping this up the big east and the indie football is just totally unsustainable and they know it and they're just like let's just get through this until we can get to a conference that's going to allow us to have more scheduling stability i'm actually not totally insensitive to that i just think they should take a risk and try to extend that you know philosophy out until it's a better cultural and geographical fit well, and I think there's there's certainly, because as we've talked about the ACC teams, like there is a potential for the Big 12 to expand into the Northeast. And I think if you're having conversations with the Big 12, the thing you have to be saying to them is, we're interested, but we can't be the only team in the Northeast. We, we need West Morgantown, West Virginia, can't be the closest team in this conference. So let's keep talking, but like there need, you, you need to be talking to some other people too. That's simple for old time's sake. I was going to say congratulations, Temple. Temple's dead. You are the only person on earth who even remembers the name Temple. People in Philadelphia. Sorry, welcome UMass to the Big 12. UMass (laughs) Army. Yeah. Part of me also, part of me thinks that we should stick with our gut and we should stick with what we're known for and we should take a risk and ride out and, and wait to see what happens with the ACC grant of rights because we bet on our, we bet on our identification uh, we bet on who we were by leaving the the American, and it's worked out very well for us. Going into Big Twelve is not who we are. Betting on us again on on what on what we are by waiting out the ACC, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle again. I, I I mean that's kind of where I land, honestly. And you know the ACC is obviously in real trouble. It's things yeah. are shaky as hell there, and we don't need to do anything. Like we just won a national championship in the biggies. We don't need to do shit. And you know obviously these are preliminary conversations, and I think you can keep up a good dialogue without pissing anybody off, without closing any doors. Um, you know make what clear what your priorities are, and I think they need to be things like. Include you know bringing in other Northeast teams, so it's we're not just this out here by ourselves on this island. 
Um, but we can we can just stay right where we are because worst case scenario, at the end of this, we're playing basketball in the Big East, and like that's fine. That's fine. Because I mean, I don't see any version of March Madness existing without the Big. Like, if you were putting it together, you need enough teams to put the tournament together. Like, the Big East would be involved. Big East to make it valuable. Draw any P five uh, conference tournament. It'd be the most. It's like the second most valuable basketball product after the NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, honestly, that's, prob- that's true. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah, but the, the rating, the ratings for the title of this game this year were absolutely in the toilet, though. Well, in fairness, it was. Yeah, look at the teams. It well, and also it was a blowout, like really fast. The semifinal games had huge numbers. Yeah, though. that's true. We've talked. About I mean, this. Uh, Big East is yeah. great, but we can't let the Midwestern teams be good. Like <laughs> no, they got to be no. bad. We got to We got to get the East Coast teams. And I will say, just take care of that. Just as like an aside, the Big Twelve fans have absolutely no fucking interest in us. This is not like when the Big East oh, yeah. were coming and Xavier fans were like, "Fuck yes, we love you guys. You're nuts too, and you guys also hate Cincinnati. Let's hang out." And like they're like, "Fuck you." We don't. Kansas fans, I have to, I have to say, Kansas basketball fans are like, "Ooh, I'd love to, you know, have play them twice a year." But everyone else is like, "Why? Why? Why? We yeah. don't want them." Because yeah. none of them are thinking about basketball first. Right, because they're right. all football. And we've said this they're, before. They're thinking it would suck to play them in football, but a little consolation, the basketball game will be fun. And I promise and you, not totally one of them different. is like, I'm so excited to get to see you kind of women's basketball play. Not a damn one of them. Yeah. I mean, just getting back, though, to the ACC being in trouble, did you guys see what that, that statement from the uh, Nebraska president tonight? I thought that was very interesting. Tell us what it said, Chris. <laughs> basically, the Nebraska president basically just saying, like, yeah, there's a there's a seismic change coming. The ACC is going to lose teams. You know, the the people are going to move around. You know, are we going to add four more? Is the Big Ten going to add four more schools? Or are we going to go further? Basically, yeah. I mean, basically, just saying that the next few years is just going to be absolute chaos. I mean, so obviously, none of us knows if that's true or not. But if it is, and if he is to be believed, they should absolutely stay in the Big East. Mm-hmm. Or go yeah, to the Big Ten as one of those four new schools. Well, yes, but, you know, stay in the Big East versus the Big 12. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't see, you know, it's not like there's like a Big Ten offer for us coming anytime soon. But, like, I think we still need to try to be doing things like we should be trying to get in the AAU, yep. you know. We should be doing that anyway, just because it's a good thing to do for academic reasons, but like also because we need to do that if the Big 12 ever or the Big 10 ever wants to take us. I remember from the traumatizing uh, 2016 episode of this that they were trying to get into the AAU. I don't know what happened. Yes. It's probably I don't still know. We used, to, we used to have sources here. Mm-hmm. Remember that? I will yeah, say this new, this new president is like an actual researcher and... Yeah. They've built a lot of buildings, like specifically to do research in. So things are definitely different than they were in 2016. Yeah, the problem is, and we, and we talked about this, Megan. It's, yeah. it's, it's a club. It's it's, it's not a backslapping old boys club, like which is know, why I think maybe this president could be the one because she does have this like really like prestigious yeah. research background. It's kind of funny how much research matters in this discussion. I know. And it, we're talking about universities and their replacement right. in athletic conferences, that academic like research. Research? Matters. Really? <laughs> this is an aside. There's nothing that cracks me up more than. Matterpool just hit. I'm sorry. 
Nice. There's nothing that cracks me up more than when you, you post about something like this on, on Twitter, and inevitably there's like some fans that are just like, Yeah, I think we should probably just join the Big Ten. It's like, Oh, no kidding, man. Really? Really? Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Good yeah, idea. Oh, damn. Though it was funny. We need to have a serious conversation about how we should never have allowed old men on Twitter. No, it's not <laughs> old men are ruining Twitter. Like, and we should have known because they ruined Facebook. They already ruined we Facebook. Had a deal. Yeah. We had a deal where they would come and tweet mean things at Joe Biden and the rest of us would just still operate in our weird circle. And somehow they're crossing over and it, we we need to put a stop to this. We need to get these old men out of here. Of men in my mentions explaining college realignment to me as if I don't understand the most basic things about it. Like, at, like you would think I've never heard of college realignment before. It's the most frustrating thing. Men love to explain things to me. It's, well, it's really Megan it's this thing called mansplaining, and let me tell you a little bit about how it works here. Don't think I will not reach for the screen and slap you in the face. I will do it. Though, I, guys, I have to say it was kind of funny this week when you saw the Big Twelve realize that UConn is a really good academic school. They were like, "Wow, yeah. you guys are smart. It's crazy." Yes. Did you not hear us talk about research? <laughs> have you seen the building? Though somehow someone in Creighton Universe got it in their heads that Creighton is a higher-ranked university. And I need you guys to know that not only are they not, it's not close. Not even sort of a little bit close. Like, UConn is a much, much, much higher-ranked school than Creighton. And I feel like the Creighton only, fans are too reminded of this. Yeah, the only person on Earth who would think that is either a Creighton student or a Creighton alum. Like, that's yeah, the level of intelligence you would And I've seen it, like, a us. couple of times from Creighton people. And I'm like, why would you think that? Like... It's first of all, it's Googleable, and second of all, like, why would you think that? You you get that throughout this league, the Big East, because you get a bunch of freaking private school kids that have only ever been to private school their entire life, and they look at a state university and they automatically assume we're a bunch of idiots. Meanwhile, it's the only reason that they're at Providence right now is because their dad owns a dealership. Like the, when Providence fans make fun of UConn academics, I'm like, you understand that UConn is a more prestigious academic institution than Providence, right? Like you get that, and they don't. No, because they go to Providence. Because they go to Providence. That's why they don't understand. No, you just you just pay too much money for a a mid education, my friend. I was smart enough to pay less for a better one. I wasn't smart at all. No, sorry, man. No, you got astray right there. Big idiot. I mean, speaking of conference realignment, do you think that NYU is kicking themselves for not joining the Big East? (laughs) Yes. Why don't they just join? I don't get it. They really, they should, they're just built a new gym that I can't wait to see. It's really fucking nice. Like they're ready. What's your at? I'm going to put this in your mentions real quick, just in case you haven't thought of it. Uh, Do you want it on blue sky? (laughs) Let me give you my blue sky. Yeah, man. Plug it. All right. My blue sky. If, if anyone listening is on it, R Steinberg, that's, that's the name right there. I've posted once. By the way, it's pronounced, it's pronounced blue ski. No. No? Oh, it's Bluski. <laughs> Sorry, like like Bruski. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys do you guys want to hear my like absolute conference realignment fantasy? Like untethered from prob- reality. You no, know we do. You probably have the same one. But <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I'm sure I'll just say agreed in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, we stay put in the Big East. We wait out the ACC fallout, and when their conference disintegrates, we pick up the Northeast contingent invite them to play basketball and we form our own little, you know, FBS separate conference. And we give it some really delightful, like 
Yankee football conference branding. And then poor Duke turns out, oh no, there's no one for nowhere for them to go. But you can come play with us in the Big East and hang out in our Yankee football conference where we make you eat shit on the branding just because because we can. I definitely think Duke should join the Big East. Yeah. I yes. think so too, don't I, you? Yeah. Megan, it was Wake Forest, I there? was thinking a similar thought of when the ACC does explode. Yeah. I'm really like I'm not 100% sold on it. But if you include some of our fun friends from the Big East in the equation, this is what I'm saying. Like we are very interested. Can, can we just not take Boston College? Yes, we're taking yes. Boston College. I'm sorry, there's just not enough teams. We're probably also taking UMass and just get ready for it. I, oh, and football, fine. I just yeah, football. Oh yeah, no, football, fine. I don't want yeah. Boston College playing Big East basketball. They're probably I'm gonna. Try, they're Catholic. To, they're probably gonna. I'm trying to decide if it happens. They're probably gonna invite Holy Cross. Maybe maybe they'll do it this time. I'm trying to decide what's funnier, and is it funnier if we take UMass over BC, or is it funnier that the American takes BC over UMass? Us taking UMass over BC would be absolutely fucking hilarious. That would be yeah, like I we should that, would that be yeah. UMass would love Honestly. it, obviously, um, and BC fans would be really, really, really upset about it. But I don't want to do anything to help UMass. Is also I, I'm That's perfectly fine with UMass. They're fine. Also, we don't need either. But. No, but I think if you're no. talking about putting together like a little Northeast football conference, obviously, yeah, like yeah you, you would want to. You, yeah, you throw them in there as well. You know what I've been thinking about a lot during this whole uh, episode this week is, and I get, Russ, did you ever write this? Because like we had sourcing, you had sourcing back in 2016 sourcing. that there was. Talk of, we called it the Franken Conference. Franken Conference, right? yes. And it was yes. kind of like all of the Big 12 teams, uh, or the Big 12 candidates at the time, which was like the only reasonable teams in the American, BYU, I don't even remember, Air Force, yeah, Colorado, Colorado State, schools, a few others. Boise. Yeah. Like they just formed their own football only league. That's like, I kind of like that. I don't know who would even be in it nowadays. I, you're, it's kind of what you're describing, Megan. Yeah. Just on I think a it would localized be like, level. And I think it would be, first of all, it'd be fun to tell. Everyone would love it. It would be a great time. Um, you had some money for that. Like, more than we're yeah. getting right now. And uh, honestly, if it's just like the best leftover schools selling markets and one TV product for well, four or five million a year. And you've got some fun basketball programs to the Big East, which would also and be not, great. And not for nothing, but I think we could have a fun little rivalry with Colorado State. Yeah, and like all of the the things that we talked about not wanting to do the Big 12, the travel, the culture, I don't give a shit about any of that for six football games. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Who are the fuck you want? Anywhere. Go to Hawaii every other week. Six times a year, who gives a shit where you're going? doesn't matter. Not me, man. Especially if you can have a few local teams involved. You can have a few outliers. Nobody cares. But it would be fun to do some like very specifically like Northeast football conference. Well, here's the thing also why why the Northeast football conference makes a lot of sense is that the the, the CFP is expanding to 12 teams. So basically, and and the auto bids are not necessarily going to the power five. Will the power five be getting them almost every year? Yes, of course. But basically the way it works out is that the top six conference champions, regardless of what the conferences are, the top six ranked conference champions get an auto bid. So there is a, a conceivable world 
where in this Northeast Football League, you know, we have a team that that goes 13 and 0. Well, not we UConn, but there's a team in that league yeah. that goes 13 and 0 with a nice out of conference yeah, win and sneaks into that college football playoff conversation. So I mean, it's, I mean, we it's, it's, but like if you're put, if you're in a small conference, you're, you're probably can still spell, sell a game every year at least. And one of those years, you, you win at Clemson, and like everything changes, right? Or it's the funniest thing that's ever happened, which is extremely valuable to me. That I mean, honestly, UConn upsetting a major school in a bye game is the funniest thing that could ever happen. If they do one a year every year, it'll happen eventually. Just the odds. Somebody... This is a good time to bring up my proposal of 12 by games per year. <laughs> also, I think you can, <laughs> honestly, just do it. Cash those checks. How, how's that for recruiting? You want to talk about you? I mean, even just you got to play games. in Big 12 stadiums, son. So, hey, what man, we, hey, we're playing the 12 best teams in America. <laughs> So we, and we, we have just, a water we, park because they paid us dollars <laughs> to come get our kicked in. So we we just get bought by the Big Twelve every year, but we don't actually join the league. <laughs> yeah, every year. But the one time every few years you win is going to be the funniest thing on earth. <laughs> Think about it. Is all I'm saying. Did we want to talk about draft stuff or did we only want to talk about conference realignment stuff? We could talk draft stuff. I may have to drop because I've got a, a feeding that I need to help out with uh, in about eight minutes. Fair. So uh, good chat with you guys. Take it easy. See ya. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Megan, draft us up. Well, obviously, we just had uh, Hawk, Andre, and Snogo all played in the combine, and Andre and Snogo. Apparently, we're very impressive. Hawk didn't scrimmage, so this, I'm not leaving him out for like because he was bad, just because he didn't. I thought Hawkins, I don't think, played in the. He, he was not he in the five on five. No. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. They didn't scrimmage. Um, so, but Andre, there's some quotes that Andre's leaning towards leaving, which is, of course, breaking my heart, but um, he should do what's best for him, even though I would like him to come back and play for another year. But. Um, I'm hoping that people finally like paid attention to the fact that Adama Sonogo is not some like lumbering oaf and that he's actually like really mobile and is a great toucher on the rim and um, would be a really valuable guy to have in your team because someone should someone should draft him in my opinion. Also, like he rules as a person and is fun to be around and and should be the happiest man on earth because he deserves it. Yeah, and just humiliated, humiliated people. In the NCAA tournament, like he he played so well against people bigger than him. Like we watch, we were talking about this how he's cooking dudes off the dribble, and he's just he's so good at getting whatever space he wants on the floor. Like if he's decided there's some space he wants, he's going to take it, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like uh, you know everyone likes to talk about like the handles a little better, the three point shot obviously way better this year, but all the talk about the things that improved. Like, no one ever talks about the things that he is just naturally amazing at. Like, he has the best balance of any big I think I've ever seen in my life. He cannot be moved. He is immovable. Yeah. He's traveled, like, three times in three years. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. He puts that pivot for dinner, and it's not going anywhere. He's strong as fuck. 
Like he's coachable as hell. Clearly, you tell him, like, hey man, learn how to shoot threes this year. He's like, all right. Like he's and he does it and comes in, it's a fucking championship. Like, what more do you want? This Did you remember when he went man. coast to coast on a fast break? Because I yeah, that fucking ruled. <laughs> I do remember that because I've been watching the 22 minute store south highlight video every four hours. It's good for you. That's that's good. That's a good life decision. That's a, that's a nice dopamine hit right there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I that's one of like, and I, you just think about the fact that like overall he hasn't even been playing basketball for that long. And even in his third year of college, he's like dramatically improving his game and adding new things and new skills. And like his ceiling is just so high. Like someone's got to snatch him. Like, I get it. I understand, you know, the whole like, oh, that's not. But like, does every four need to be Kevin Durant? Can't one of them no. be Shaq ish, but like smaller? That's the thing. Like, they draft so many shitty players who turn out to be shitty too. It's like, one, you should probably just take a chance on the guy who's actually good that you've seen play really well on a basketball court in important just games. Right. Fucking clown everybody that he's played like, against. That might be like the one neat trick here. Like, did you the see what that round. man did to your Timmy? That that is a crime in several states. God, Drew Timmy got so exposed during this tournament. It's, oh my god. And normally I'm the Gonzaga defender here, but I, I knew this wasn't a great team, so I I'll Pile on them, and I, I have to say, was over thirty in that game. Yeah, I ruled. Gonzaga <laughs> was too good to lose that game by thirty. Like they should be ashamed. Like barely not. Bad, was but so questionable. Putting Drew Timmy on Andre Jackson. Like here is the athletic freak on one hand. I'm going to put the what white Ophi doof on him. That's that's the move. And Andre. Like, Sonogo to Andre was, like, for eight points, like, no problem. With Andre just standing and jumping and dunking wide open. So let's go around the room. Does anyone think Andre stays? I think there's a slight a chance. I was, before I thought it was more likely he was going to stay. Now I think it's more likely that he goes. I don't think there's no chance that he comes back. But I think it's more I'm, he goes. I'm with Megan 100%. Yeah, I have the same brain as Megan, so obviously I agree. Yeah. Peter? I mean... Stare go. Maybe. No, pick. I'm, I hope he stays. I think he probably goes. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think he's one guy who actually could move from the second round to the first round if he just, you know, really focused the season on showing what his offense could be and the next level, which I think Hurley could absolutely do for him. Um, You know, but it's up to him. Yeah, he's probably... Let... Sorry, go ahead. No, you. I was going to say, Jackson is really one of the few players who you can make the argument can drastically improve his draft stock by coming back for another year. Like, you, you can't say that to Sonogo. I don't think you could say that for Hawkins. I mean, he's already going to be, you know, mid first round at worst. Yeah. I certainly can't say that for Newton. But Jackson, you have something tangible that he can work on and that he can get better at. Um, and I, I think you could make it can make a real difference uh, from this year to next. But all that said, I still think he's probably going to leave. And I think yeah. in all reality, he's probably going to spend next year in the G League, and like he could have re- a really good time playing college ball next year, and making some NIL money as national champion Andre Jackson. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone talks about his three point shot. There's another one of those like Sonogo-ish things, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. it's the one super obvious area that he needs to improve on, and if he did, he would make a billion dollars. But also, like, 
he did not shoot the ball very often at all. And he no. can be a scorer, even if he's kind of like a badish, somewhat bad shooter. Like he can score. He just needs to figure out how to get shots. And if he comes back, leads another good team, has all of the honestly, he's the best defensive player in America. I expect yeah. him if he came back, would be again next year. Um, if he can just be efficient and score 12, 13 points a game, like I don't yeah. think that's unreasonable. And I think he's a lot more valuable a year from now. I agree. That being said, if you get the guarantee, I mean, no, I don't care. If someone says you're going to be in the first round, you should go. If you yeah. think you're going to be in the second round, I think you should stay. But it's up to him. He should do what he wants to do. I don't have a good enough knowledge of like how these guarantees even work. Like, Is it some GM saying, like, hey, wink, wink, if you're there at 32, we want you. I mean, or apparently that's what Clinton got. Official. I also wonder too, like, is next year's draft going to be lighter? You know, like, does it make sense to try and go out next it's year? Supposed to be a week draft. Yeah, so sure. like maybe strategically, it makes more sense to, you know, maybe next year he'll just look more attractive by comparison. And if you're a fringe player this year, maybe you're a definite first rounder next year. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely just be worried unless you have tons of these guarantees out there. If it's one team, if it's like I don't know the Pacers, and they're like, we love you. When it comes to us, uh, the whatever pick thirty-five, we're gonna take you, and we want you on a two, you know, uh, a two-way contract or something, guaranteed money. And then like three unexpected players are still on the board, then then they don't take you. You know, is that like a possibility here, or is it just locked? That would terrify me. You don't think that's like legally binding? Yeah, no, it's not. They should let the players get drafted and then decide if they want to come back. Is my I agree. Like, I agree. Opinion. Yeah, baseball has it right almost, yeah. but in that way they do. I like the baseball draft. Yeah, yeah, but if you go back though, you have to stay for three years. Yeah, it should probably be two, but I actually do like that too. Yeah, get drafted out of high school, you can go or go to college and after two. See, and I think you should be able to just go whenever you want. Yeah, I'm I'm open to that. I like player stability. It was part of the reason I really, really love NIL in addition to just pro labor. <laughs> so I, I like that. It encourages players to come back. Yeah, I agree. Also encourages them to transfer, though. Yeah. Well, uh, if they have bad NIL, but I think we're doing okay. The merch is selling. And then you sometimes get Bill Murray wearing a Joey California shirt at the national championship. <laughs> I hope I hope Dan Hurley is just like pulling his phone out at every like every time I talk to transfer being like, hey, you want to be that guy? That could be everything about this was so surreal. It was the f- most fun I've ever had. I'm going to watch that 22 minute video in like 30 years and be like, what the fuck was Bill Murray doing there? It's going to take like five minutes for my brain to kick in. Like the fact that they won every game so comfortably, just it was so much. It was so delightful. It was, it was really, really enhanced the experience. I loved it. I don't care what anyone else thought. I loved it. It. During which games, in the second half of which games, were you guys nervous? I disassociated when San Diego State got to five points. Yeah, and yep. then when the, then when Hawk hit that three, I was like, oh, we're fine now. Like, I just felt myself re-enter my body. I remember that moment very well. I think for me, so, San Diego State and Miami, I was nervous the second half of both of those, and uh, Iona. Yeah, I was nervous coming out of halftime. I was near puking every single game. Oh, no, that's... Yes, I was near puking every single game as well. Anxiety I, I was less near puking during those games. 
but it was very cool to watch your incredibly dominant team just dominate everyone uh, in a way that was there was nothing anyone could do anything. Like I actually thought Patino had the best scout. I thought his was the best game plan. They were the most prepared and like had the most figured out. They just didn't have the firepower to keep up, which ended up being everyone's downfall is there was just the bench was too deep. There were too many dudes. They were too fast. They were too at like, they just, you couldn't keep up with them. And that was incredibly fun to watch. Yeah. That first half was pretty, you know, like they ran with them. Like they were there. Yeah. If UConn had been ice cold or gotten bad foul trouble or something, like it might have been a little different. Yeah. It just turned out to be much, much, much better. Right. Which is great. Going to be wild having Patino at St. John's now. They're going to be good this year, I think. <laughs> UConn right. was as good as we said they were in that December podcast, the last episode of this. Yeah. We there has so not far. been a need to pod since because we no. got it all right then. Nothing happened in January. No. But yeah, I uh, I feel like we all should. That's that's one of the reasons I think we should chill about conference realignment because like we just got to watch one of the most dominant like tournament performances ever, and it was our team just clowning everyone in front of them. So like, let's just chill the fuck out. Enjoy. Well, enjoy. The reason I'm not like, freaking out about guys in the draft and lack of transfers. Yeah, I think Tristan's coming back. I do too. I'd like him to announce it. Yeah, me too. Any, any day, I think. The longer he waits, the more concerned I well, get. I mean, they only have till the 31st, right? Something like that. Yeah. But, I mean... But, I mean, he I wasn't you invited do, you to do the some, combine. Like, I know. I guess maybe he's, like, around doing workouts or agent meetings. Right? I don't know what, but... It's, it's got to be a decision I think time. we need at least one portal player. Also, two. I love Tristan, and I will defend him to the ends of the earth, mostly because the UConn doesn't have a point guard thing was funny in the moment and then became the funniest thing ever once he ripped people's souls out of their body. Uh, <laughs> but he should, he, should, he should come back. Like, he's not getting drafted. No, he's not getting drafted. Great player. My personal best friend. He's not getting drafted. He, and I think too, like, after everyone slandered his name last year, and then he, like, just scored a bunch of points to win the national championship. Everyone's like, oh, maybe maybe we were wrong about Tristan Newton. Uh, it's actually, this is funny because I, I, I clown banner about this a little bit because I had this theory during our slide that this was like the 2011 team that like won all the non-conference games and then like really struggled in the Big East and then like ran through everybody in the postseason which obviously, like, it wasn't identical, but, like, Banner was like, Tristan Newton is not Kemba Walker. And I was like, but he could be. And he gets the line like Kemba does. And then it turned out we needed him to be. I mean, he wasn't Kemba. He wasn't Kemba, but he, he was like, very good. He went to the, the free throw line refs. nine million oh. times, which is what we needed him to do. Did the biggest refs also try to take the season away from uh, UConn in 2011? Yes. We'll say yes. Was that also a similar character? Probably. But really more. I think they're going to do that again. Like, how long does this last? Yeah, it's feels weird like scheduling. Maybe the they refs. should stop teasing us so that we don't go to the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, does this make it worse or better that all these rooms are out there? Who knows? Probably worse. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Big East meetings I'm, for this week. I, I'm told to expect headlines. Do you have a press pass for that? No, it's in Florida. They're not sending me for that. What oh. kind of headlines? Like, 
I, don't tell me source information, but like what actually happens at these meetings that would be of interest to me? New TV deal? Officially, nothing. Unofficially, everything. Everything. Rumors. How's Meaning that? all the execs have beers and talk to each other, and there's a lot of gossip. Some weird Illuminati up. orgy shit. They're like touching yeah. each other's balls and oh, stuff. Jesus Christ. Not editing. Now That's think fine. of think of your favorite two Big East coaches. Now think of them touching each other's balls. No, no, not gonna do it. Not gonna not, do it. Not you gonna be careful. I uh, no, that's just what what Peter seems to be working towards here. But yeah, the gas, the gas, the hot gas. Yeah, yeah. Russ, Russ, I hope you bring us the hot gas. Uh, I mean, the gas, Russ. I'll try. I don't know, Russ. The gas. gas. I, I will say this because I could say it on the record. I'm sitting down this week with both the athletic director at San Diego State and the athletic director at UCF. And at least the San Diego State AD has said that they are willing to talk realignment. Hell yeah. So might not be relevant to UConn, but I know SDSU is in that uh, they have those Pac-12 rumors. So I think that'll be interesting. Ask him how it felt when Dave Benedict realigned his teeth. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make sure to bring that up. I might wear this hat. I don't know. Good point. Good idea. All right. Do we have to talk about? You realigned the loss column. So good. We could just hang out. All right. We should probably end this podcast. Yeah. Goodbye. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Adimeback podcast, such as it is. Goodbye. Bye. Valerie, do you want to watch that uh, 22 minute video now? Yeah, please. Yeah, okay. Where's I? Send me the link.